Welcome to Creative Income, a podcast that focuses on making a living in the creative space. Whether you're an actor, filmmaker, musician, painter, or anything that doesn't fit the 9 to 5 mold, there is value for you here. I'm Lars Lindstrom. Let's get into it. Hey guys, Lars Lindstrom, Creative Income. Uh, Welcome back. Happy to have you here. Um, happy, happy is relative. I was mountain biking, uh, earlier this week. And for those of you that know me, know that I got pretty hardcore into it, uh, as soon as quarantine hit. And, uh, anyway, I went and did a trail that I maybe was not uh, familiar enough with, uh, my cousin Jason and he was in front of me, obviously. And, uh, anyway, long story short, I fell, I broke a rib and I'm 95% sure I tore a rotator cuff anyway. So I got that going on, and uh, I'd rather be in bed, you know? But here I am, instead with you guys, because I'm dedicated, and because I love you. And this episode is brought to you by me. That's it, just me. And uh, I'm okay with that, you know what I mean? I'm having a lot of great uh, great time reading some of uh, your responses. I uh, This week had my, my Steadicam operator, I was on set with him, and, and he told me about um, episode number seven, or 15, I think it was the one that I did by myself, was the most beneficial for him so far. And I kind of thought it was a crappy episode, personally. And so just kind of hearing his perspective, and uh, it just made me realize that this is, this is going to ring true for, for different people for different reasons. And, uh, and I can't dictate which episode is going to do better than others. So here we are. I think we just share it. We have a good time. We learn some things, and, and we progress. So thank you guys for being here. I'm excited to introduce Logan as a last-minute guest, but he really came in. Uh, it doesn't matter that he was last-minute. He knocked it out of the park. It was incredible. And uh, we had a great time, and we learned a lot. So I think you're going to enjoy the episode. Here we go. This this will be uh, this will be my very first uh, video podcast oh, okay. as well, because I just got the office done, and I haven't lit me or anything like you've lit yourself, <laughs> and uh, that's a bummer. But um, but uh, at least I'm doing it. I'm just going to throw this up on YouTube and, yeah. and see what we can see what we can get awesome <laughs> just cool because podcasts are weird man you can't uh, there's no seo for podcasts really there's like mm-hmm. there's no way to drive an audience to a podcast to like engage them in any kind of way to keep them around like there is on youtube or instagram or other uh, social media platforms right so i figure throw the stuff up on youtube see what sticks maybe throw it in instagram um uh videos and just see what we can do so yeah youtube makes a lot of sense for the same reason you're describing yeah. Yeah. Well, Logan, thank you for being here, man. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you jumping on last minute. I had a guest and uh, he had to push till uh, Friday and it's a Tuesday night now and I've got to release this tonight. So um, <laughs> I really appreciate it. It sounds like you're going to be a great, uh, great guest though. I, I met, met you in, in college at BYU, Idaho, right? I, mm-hmm. I think we met. Mm-hmm. There yeah, was always did. like the the talk of like, oh, Logan Bean, Logan's doing some cool things. You should see what Logan's doing. And uh, <laughs> it was a little intimidating at college, but um, but no, you're you're the real deal. You're super legit, and I've I've always enjoyed watching uh, your your career progress and the creative content that you're constantly coming out with is kind of mind blowing. <laughs> so why don't we uh, why don't we start? Go ahead and tell us who you are and, and what you do, and uh, we'll we'll start there. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Lars. Yeah, I actually remember that time you met. And it was actually kind of like a, not, I don't know about a favorite memory of school, but I remember thinking like, you know, there's these little crowds of people who are doing video stuff. And, and I think I kind of knew of you. Um, but I remember you reached out and said, you're making films and you're doing video stuff and we haven't met somehow and we should be meeting and talking about stuff. And, <laughs> and I remember That's thinking right. like, I'm meeting you and some of your friends and stuff. And 
and I, I thought Lars is cool. I like this guy, you know, but I don't think we ever really got to collaborate very much and do much work. No, and stuff. I graduated kinda, pretty soon thereafter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember that and thinking I like Lars, I'm going to keep in touch with him and stuff. So I'm glad we've done that, but yeah, thanks for having me on your little show. It's awesome. Yeah, of course. So during our undergrad, there was there was a cool program that I actually thought I got more value than any of my classes at, um, which was when I was there, it was called ICOM Student Media. And it was basically an on-campus advertising agency from across mm-hmm. the board, right? So from mm-hmm. from like web design to graphics to video. And rather than working within the college and having teachers, we actually had real clients in the city and kind of in the in the eastern Idaho region that would come to us and say, hey, we've got this campaign. We want something. Can you guys pitch it? And we would make actual commercials, actual video content for them. And I learned more f- from working with actual clients in that program than anything. And I and I think you kind of came in and, and took it up to the next level. So do you want to do you want to talk about uh, some of that? Yeah, that somehow, I guess some of my career got started, I guess, was at that program they called ICOM. But then when I was there, we kind of rebranded it and called it Soapbox. Um, with this idea of trying to give people a platform, you know, so we'd ask, you know, kind of give people a platform to share their message and you're, you're right. So we would, we make commercials and things and, um, ads for different, you know, groups out there. Um, and that was a, that was a great kind of starting point. And that was an experience for me kind of at the very beginning of my career where I had been doing other online contests and things outside of soapbox, um, but one of the things that that program sort of started me off on was this kind of like, I guess, a career direction of, I, I remember I was, I was put in a position where I was a creative director there at that little agency um, in charge of, you know, the videos and the strategy and things like that. Um, and I remember thinking, here, I've got this creative team uh, and I've got sort of maybe an okay hunch about how to organize a creative team. I think I can kind of do this by instinct and it's working fine. I think we're successful. We're, you know, we're getting stuff done and people are happy. But I remember thinking, I want to know, like, I want to know that I know how to do this right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And not just be going by like, you know, the seat of my pants or by instinct or um, just trying to feel out how do how you build a good creative culture or, be successful in video production or anything like that. And, and so that was sort of the main question I had leaving school was I need to find places to work where I can get answers to these questions. How do I know, you know, how to build a successful creative culture? How do I know how to make a video that's going to get results? You know, like instead of just going off the gut instinct approach, like are there principles that are universal that always apply? And I was like, I yeah. want to know what those things are. Right. And so yeah, that and, kind of and over the last decade, you've come to realize that there are none. Right. Is that the answer to the there are no rules of principles? Right. <laughs> right. And that's uh, that's right. what we've covered over the last decade of working. Right. Yeah. So there, in some cases, yes, it, it seems like there are no rules of principles. <laughs> uh, but in other cases, there are definitely patterns that are like, oh, wow, this is really helpful to know um, because it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing over and over again, you know, just kind of like you're trying to hit a target with a baseball there are principles that are going to apply that are going to help you be successful in hitting that target you know about how to calculate a trajectory and that'll be helpful regardless of where the the target is where it's moving like there are formulas i guess that you could say that help yeah but uh it's always going to be a different sort of theme you know there's going to be targets that are different sizes and different places and you know that kind of thing but now was that something that you just kind of figured out 
trial and error or is there was there something that you were able to study or research or look into to try and help you refine some of those those rules and principles mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i mean there was definitely sort of a inherent curiosity and interest and sort of a personal goal of mine that was like i've sort of smelled this goal <laughs> this thing there's, yeah. there's something i'm trying to figure out what this is and i was like i i want to go this way um, so coming out of school, I had two job offers. One was to be a creative director for an agency down in, in Utah. And the other was to help this uh, company start up sort of like an e-learning studio, hmm. doing kind of corporate trainings. <laughs> and yeah. on the surface of it, I was like, I don't want to do corporate training videos. You know, like I want to, I want to be doing more creative stuff. And the agency route was what I was thinking I want to do forever. And, um, but as I learned more about, uh, this other option, um, it actually ended up being like, this is actually, I think one of the better places I'd want to go for that goal because this company, so they're a company in, in Bellevue, Washington named constructs. It was started by, um, this fellow named Steve McConnell who wrote a book called code complete. And it's sort of this philosophical approach to writing software. Hmm. And if you're a software engineer, you've probably heard of code complete and Steve McConnell and it's kind of like everybody thinks of it as kind of like the Bible of software development. And essentially what it is, is just sort of like the philosophy of writing code, you know? So if you're going to write code, you might want to sit down and think, what exactly is it that we are doing here? And how should we think about writing code before we even start? And so he kind of started this whole industry of best practice yeah. around software development. That sounds miserable. That sounds absolutely miserable. <laughs> it seems like the total opposite of the stuff. Oh man, like, <laughs> give me give me a camera and a physical space, please. <laughs> yeah, it, and it was pretty miserable. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, sorry. But, but <laughs> I'm sure for software developers everywhere, it's yeah, wonderful literature, like, <laughs> but uh, not for me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. But that was sort of my secret plan. Was like, hey, I want to go here and and learn what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Because what I realized what they do is when you're building software, you're trying to get inside the head of a client. You're trying to get inside the head of a user, right? And sort of get into their heads at the unconscious level to really understand their needs and their behavior. Mm. And then you're trying to build a product that connects those things together. Yeah. Which is essentially and, what you're doing with video too. Right. Which is essentially what you're doing with video. You know, you're, you have a client, they have a message they're trying to share and they have an audience that you're trying to drive behavior in. And so how can I get really deep inside the heads of these kind of two different groups of people to really understand the needs, really understand the behavior that I'm trying to drive and then create a product that can be used to drive that behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. So I spent a few years at Construct sort of like surrounded by these guys that, you know, Apple was hiring these people, spending thousands of dollars, you know, at these engagements to teach them how to do that. Yeah. And I kind of got to just sit there and like record their content over and over again and edit their content over and over again and then ask yeah. these questions at lunch and stuff. And so I spent about three and a half years there doing that, just kind of just thinking in the back of my mind the whole time. You know, how can I take this and apply this to, you know, a, a creative career? Yeah. And so absolutely. that was to answer your question, I guess, was sort of where I started and got a lot of the insights from to study and, and learn what that was. And then after, you know, enough time there that I kind of start to formulate a theory and a practice, um, I thought, okay, I need to get back into my kind of original industry. And, and so that's where I, I kind of made a pivot in my career to go. Move can I ask you what your, um, your starting salary was at that, uh, that first job? Yeah, so I started there. I think about sixty k. Okay, was, was that starting? 
coming out of coming out of school where you were probably making uh six six um hundred dollars a a year uh, <laughs> uh was that right. uh, something that you thought was like a good thing were you excited about it uh, was that impressive Talk well, about, from um, 600 yeah. a year to 60,000, you know, <laughs> that's like, I don't know, 100x, you know, increase yeah. or something or whatever yeah. that'd be. So, no, I was pumped about it. Um, you know, I was still, I was young. I was kind of school. I didn't understand things like taxes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or living in Bellevue, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, uh, but I was pumped about it. Um, so, it was, you know, I think it was a good start. And I think it was good. No, in the meantime, were you were you creating your own videos? Were you trying to freelance at all? Were you working on the side for anybody, or is it just strictly this one company? Um, I've been doing some freelance stuff. Um, I had kind of there was there were a bunch of uh, kind of these websites at the time. Uh, Pop Tent was a famous one that I've been doing. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You remember Pop Tent? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we did. I did like three uh-huh. or four videos for Pop Tent that uh-huh. that, uh, that we got chosen for. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Just quick, just in like two sentences, tell us what Pop Tent is, just for those. Yeah, that, uh, so they they're they're still some around now. They're pretty. They were more popular back then. It's a, it's kind of like um, ninety nine designs, but for video production. Mm-hmm. So you know, brands would put their creative brief out on the internet in sort of an open contest, and then people could create a commercial to compete. Yeah, and then they would select somebody, and you can kind of win a prize. Um, and so for starting out, it was great because it was like, hey, I could just get access to these big brand creator briefs and then actually try my hand at the market. Mm-hmm. And then um, I ended up winning a couple, um, I think five or six or so, um, which was awesome because for a guy coming out of school, you know, I, I spent spring break. I did. I made a video, a couple of videos sitting at my in-laws kitchen table for about four days, kind of animating some stuff. And ended up making fifteen thousand dollars in oh, four days. Incredible! Just sitting at the, at the table, and I was like, "Okay, there's something here." Yeah, <laughs> you know, like if brands are willing to do that for this, you know, I've got to be able to figure out a way to make this work. Yeah, um, absolutely. So pop tent and things like that on the side, but um, that was kind of the yeah. So that was sort of some of the career state there. Um, yeah. So where did you where did you look for your next job then after you decided it was time to move on? Hmm. Yeah, I had some connections with some other work buddies who are in in the Bellevue area, uh, working for a company, a tech consulting company called Fresh Consulting. Just Kurt, Kurt Daniels, one of the mm-hmm. first people over there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt was, yeah, he's my video producer. He was kind of one of the earlier guys there. Nice. Yeah, and so that's where I am now. So I've been there probably about four years now. Um, so high level of what Fresh is is um, their technology consulting company. Um, so we do things all over from building apps, um, software, um, to even hardware and robotics. And so a lot of our clients are some of the, you know, um, some of the exciting ones we we talk about are, um, uh, Facebook. We've got a bunch of engineers making the Oculus headset for Facebook. Um, the, the Microsoft connect, you know, the kind of like the handless sort or the hand motion tracking kind of device. We built that for Microsoft and, um, and so we, any of our clients that come to us when we're building something for them, making a website, building an app, a lot of times those projects involve making a startup commercial, something yeah. on their website and that kind of thing. And so me and my team, we direct all the, all the video related projects that come in. That are kind and of was it a, a pay increase from your previous job or, or about the same? Um, so they tried to get me to come over about three or four times while I was still at Constructs. <laughs> And, um, I, yeah, I, I like trying to be transparent. I think it's useful for people in our industry. So I'll, I'll tell you some of that story. So Great. when some of the earlier asks, um, 
with the early conversations and they were pretty small in the beginning. It was like, Hey, let's, we'll match your salary. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, at least for me personally, I was like, well, this is interesting. Um, it might be more interesting work to switch to fresh. Yeah. Um, but I know it'll be more work, <laughs> you know? And so, and I was also still learning a lot of stuff. I hadn't felt like I'd really gotten to the point where I would learned everything I needed to learn at my first job. Uh-huh. And so I denied him the first time I said, you know, like, this is great. Maybe I'm still, there's still some things I'm trying to build here. Um, but Hey, in the future, let's, you know, talk some more. Um, and then they had come back an, another year later, <clears throat> a year or two later and said, Hey, we're trying to find a video director and we, you know, keep thinking about you and we'd like you to come over. And I was like really close. Um, but then I kind of got cold feet thinking about, oh, man, you know, it is kind of nice just like doing the corporate job thing. And I happened to like get super like, were you like, on- was part of you playing hard to get or, <laughs> or, uh, did you, do you think you knew what you're doing the whole time or not? Uh, the, no, the, the honest reaction the second time was, I don't know if I want to do this hard work, <laughs> <laughs> the deadlines, you know, the, yeah. the responsibility and the, Hey, be creative on a dime. Like we've got big mm-hmm. needs and stuff. And it was, you know, that was, there was a temptation to sort of just like, I uh, just, you know, it's, it's nice to just sort of like not have to think about what I'm doing, but I was yeah. like, no, I, you know, there's sure I've learned a lot of the stuff, but it's useless unless I start to apply it back into like the industry again. And, and so I was like, you know, that was kind of like, my commitment to sort of like self-improvement and wanting to continue to grow and develop as a person. I was like, okay, like, yeah, anytime you find yourself in life kind of thinking like, you know, my couch looks, you know, like it's going to float away and I just sort of spend my life trying to weigh it down, you know, like yeah, that's a bad sign. So it was kind of like, yeah, I should, I should do this. And so, so the third time, and it kind of worked to my advantage that I guess I had sort of been playing hard to get, but it was really just me kind of feeling like, <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> um, but they were the third time they were, they came back and said, Hey, we know that you were kind of feeling like maybe the salary wasn't right. And so why don't you just tell us a little bit more of where you're looking? Um, and so I had done some research on, you know, negotiation and, and that kind of thing and some of the strategies involved there. And so, um, I hope you don't glaze over it. I want to hear, mm-hmm. I want to hear some of the, uh, some of what you had researched and, and mm-hmm. some strategy for, yeah. So I think, book. I think there's a, there's a lot of, um, uh, creatives that are freelancers hundred percent that, uh, go through the same of the same, like mm-hmm. I, I'll have producers call and say, Hey, we only have $800 a day for a DP. And it's like, okay, well, like that's, there's things involved that that doesn't really line up with where I'm at right now. And so talk to me about some of, uh, mm-hmm. some strategy that you could maybe. Yeah. Do. Yeah. So a great book you can learn or read is, um, uh, I think his name is, Mark or Frank Voss, the book is how to or never split the difference. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've read this book. I have. He was or, like a okay. CIA uh, uh-huh. guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think FBI. Was CIA, it FBI? I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah. Hostage negotiation. That's right. Stuff. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I read it a long time ago. I should read it. Yeah. 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 It was good. Uh, so that was, I think, the, my first intro to that. And there are some, there are some good points in there. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, there, there's a bunch of other things you can look into. I know that there's a, a fellow on YouTube who runs a channel called The Future. I forget his name. Oh, Christo. Um, yeah. He's Christo. he's going to be uh, my next guest. <clears throat> oh, actually. nice. Yeah. Was he the one who was going to be there tonight? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. He was, oh, okay. well, he, yes, yes and no. 
I had him scheduled for last week. He had to, he had to push. So, yeah, it's uh, it's so fun. He's excellent. Yeah. I love some of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he has some great points. Um, just sort of like focusing on the value, right. Mm -hmm. Value-based, you know, negotiation and that kind of thing. So he's excellent. He's got a great, a great kind of program and some great content. So I, I watched some of his stuff and read that book. And, and so, you know, I had some ideas about, you know, setting a range, um, don't take the first offer, (laughs) (laughs) you know, be willing to, I mean, that's one of the, one of the, I think, um, there's, there is some power and some strength in learning how to be politely disagreeable. Hmm. And that doesn't mean that you, you know, like I think so many people just don't want to rock the boat or don't want to cause tension or just don't like the feeling of tension, I guess. I, you know? I get there all the time, man. Yeah. And it's just like, like I, I would rather make a paycheck this month and instead of not. So I don't want to mm-hmm. rock the boat too much. So, so mm-hmm. talk to me about some of that positive negotiating that you can, that you can do and what you did. Yeah. I mean, there's a sense of just wanting to make sure you, you have confidence in understanding what you're worth and, mm-hmm. and having that self-respect. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think there's, you know, th- to a certain degree, it can be helpful to think that you are your own agent. And so you're negotiating for yourself, you know, kind of trying to act as the middleman. And so there in life in general, I think there's a lot of wisdom in trying to take care of yourself as if you were somebody you're responsible of taking care of. Right. Mm, um, and so in that sense, it's, you know, some kind of thing you don't, you know, cause if you, <laughs> if, I mean, it can be stressful, yeah. you know, to have somebody give you an offer and to be like, you know, I don't, you know, like what if I say no or what if they, you know, what if I, what happens if I, you know, if I say no and then they like, are they going to pull the job away from me or something? Or are they going to go with somebody else? And yeah, which happens. that can be stressful. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's not a great situation to be in a position where you're not stoked about the job you're working on, you know, um, mm-hmm. because most of the time, most of the time, at least in my experience with either freelance related things or jobs in general, I mean, the time to get it right so often is upfront, you know, yeah. um, cause that's when people have the problem they're trying to solve. That's when they're trying to find a solution. That's when there's going to be the most flexibility and the most willingness to figure out how things go. Interesting. Um, and so it's worth, it's worth it to, to be brave, to do some due diligence, have a little bit of self-respect and stand for something. And sometimes you need to understand a little bit about yourself. You know, how do I sell myself? What am I actually? Yeah. Um, so I can have confidence in, in saying, <clears throat> actually, this isn't, you know, in the right range. Yeah. And being able to kind of let them, you know, respond to that. Um, so it can take practice, it, you know, um, but I think it's, yeah, re- read that book. That's a good one. They'll leave you some good ideas. Um, but uh, yeah, um, don't be afraid to kind of treat yourself with a little bit more respect. But I think, how do you do that, right? How do I actually treat myself with more respect? And I think some of that has to go into realizing what it, exactly it is that you're providing for them. Yeah. Um, so I guess going into that a little bit, I think most, there's an aspect of um, maybe a good way to start this uh, kind of thought here is there's a quote from Elon Musk, who I think most of us have heard of now these days. Um, yeah, right. He said, he said something along the lines of, um, you get paid in direct proportion to the kind of problem you are solving. Hmm. Right. Um, and so the idea is, you know, if, 
if you are solving a more valuable problem, people are going to be more willing to pay you more money to solve that problem. Yeah. And so, um, and the good news is yourself. they came to you three times, three separate times. And so the value was already there. Like they mm-hmm. clearly had seen your work. They knew that you were capable of, and they, they wanted you on your, on their team. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I think the ball's kind of in your court a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, I think I felt more comfortable having a little bit more leverage. They had even sort of given me hints at like, Hey, we know that, you know, in the past, you know, it seemed like maybe the salary was kind of a sticking figure for you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us kind of where you'd like to start? Um, and if I remember right in my mind, I was like, okay, I, I would like to break over a hundred thousand a year mm-hmm. at some point in my career. I know that I want to be there. If I'm being honest with myself, I don't know if I felt exactly like I was worth that then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, hitting a range felt comfortable to me to say something like, so the range I gave them was, you know, I'd like to have a salary that starts somewhere between 80,000 and 110, I think is what I told them. Cool. And then I said, you know, with the ability to work up into those higher ranges of that salary over time. Nice. So you're kind of telling them, this is where I'd like to, I want to range somewhere in here and I'd expect to try to be growing into these higher ranges as our relationship continues. Yeah. And so that seemed like a helpful place to to start. I think in my mind on my side, <clears throat> I think I would have been fine taking something like 70 or 75. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, that was one of the things I learned in the book was like, set your lowest rate. Yeah. <laughs> sort of higher than sometimes than totally. what you think that mm-hmm. you, you know, would be, you know, something that you'd be comfortable with. Um, and uh, so I said, okay, well, my lowest rate, you know, the lowest part of that range is 80. And so they came back yeah. and said, about 80, <laughs> which of right. course that, you know, they would do, right. Cause yeah. like, if you give them a range that says, oh, I'd be happy somewhere between this and this, they, they're going to say, how about well, the bottom of that part? Let's start with the bottom. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm have sure the bottom, if you're good, we'll pay you more. <laughs> have the bottom that they're going to see be something yeah. that you're going to be more stoked about. Cool. And so I, you know, I was like, okay, like, you know, starting at 80 is more than, you know, um, more than I expected and stuff. And so I started there at 80. And and now working over several years, I've been able to break over a hundred thousand. Very cool um, through different interactions and things. So you're making six figures in Washington, which which is good. It's not like spectacular. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I should say six figures could be spectacular, but uh, let's say a hundred thousand, hundred ten thousand. Not necessarily um, the Seattle area, but yeah, yeah it's it's hard, right? And um, mm-hmm. especially you got taxes and family and all that stuff, and 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 things are expensive. So so I assume that you're also you have the ability to to be building networks outside of work uh, and freelancing a little bit. Um, and you've, are, you're also creating courses. Maybe you're investing a little bit. Talk to me about some of those uh, outside strategies now that you've got this really great nine to five. Are you there five days a week right now? Mm-hmm. Yep, 40 hours. Okay, 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been able to negotiate like a, a four tens or something like that at Fresh where you can al- allow a little bit more time on like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or like even a Friday, Saturday, Sunday time off for your freelance gigs. I know some people do that, especially in the video world where we're mm-hmm. used to 12s anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did work into my contract and negotiated into upfront projects that I had been working on and then making sure that my contract included the openness to be able to maintain those projects. Yeah. Because um, it's also so, in their best interest, I would assume, right? Yeah. At least in this case. Yeah. Um, I think generally, I mean, it's, it's different at each company. There's always going to be some things where, you know, there might be a conflict of interest where it's like, 
you know, if, if there's work that you're working on, you know, that should be worked on through the company, then, you mm-hmm. know, we should do that if it's at a high enough of a kind of a scope or whatever. But, sure, you know, I think some guys on my team are doing wedding videos and things on the side and Fresh isn't ever going to be like, we need those <laughs> that's our market. videos. Yeah. You know, so, <clears throat> so there's not any, you know, that's not any problem or anything like that. But yeah, um, for me, in my particular case, um, the things that were the, the most important, most interesting to me were a couple particular projects. And so I specifically made sure that those were written into the contract. Um, but I think depending on somebody else's situation, you know, if that's important or useful to you, or if you have, you know, freelance, a strong freelance side thing going on and to augment your income, you're going to want to make sure that you try to negotiate that and have that in place. And, and that can be done. I think yeah. it doesn't sound like it's that uncommon. Yeah. Okay, so talk to me, talk to me then about uh, some of your freelance work and uh, how you've been able to scale that and, mm-hmm. and grow while working 40 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. So the projects I'm working on the side, um, I have a course that I started back in 2013 called make the right video. Hmm. And so this is an online course for video directors that goes into um, some of the things we've been talking about, but essentially how as a video director, you can position yourself to be more successful and um, to get paid better doing the job and to, and to understand those things. Some of those things we were talking about before, you know, if <clears throat> there's a client who has a message that they're trying to drive behavior in an audience, how do I, how do I do that from a perspective of knowing truly what I'm doing rather than kind of going off of, you know, the hunch um, or just off of past experience. Right, so one of the examples I give is, you know, hitting targets like we talked about with, you know, the baseball example. As a video, as a you know videographer, that's kind of what you're doing is clients are showing up and saying, I need somebody who can hit this target. Somebody can produce something that hits this target for me. Yeah. And so most, I think, creative folks spend their careers practicing that, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody shows up with a target and they, and, they, and they look at it and they say, I've done this before. I've done something like this before. I think I can do it. And they throw it and, and you know, if you're doing a good job, you'll consistently hit targets and... Um, and sometimes you miss, right? Yeah. Sometimes you'd make some for a client and they go, what was this, you know, <laughs> or this didn't get the results you're looking for or what yeah. on earth and, you know, and you miss. And so it happens and there's nothing wrong with that. I think most of us do that. Um, but there's a big difference between trying to run your business off of hoping that you're going to hit the target versus knowing what you need to know to make sure that you know that you'll hit the target. Right. And the difference is understanding the formulas, right? Yeah. The fundamental principles of what are going on. So that's kind of what the course is all about. It goes into that. <clears throat> it's a lot of human behavior stuff, um, psychology and things, which um, a lot of people think, you know, like, oh, I don't, I got into this business to do creative work. I don't want to be like doing psychology. Um, yeah, I don't, but, I don't want to be. <laughs> no, right. right? <laughs> but my, well, my I, response I, to them yeah. is, yeah. I mean, there's, if you're feeling pain in your career because you're feeling like I'm undervalued, I feel nervous because I'm trying to produce something and I don't know if I'm going to produce something that my clients are going to be stoked about. Right. If you're feeling that pain, right. Do you want to be feeling that pain? <laughs> it's like, well, no, I don't. Most people don't like that part of the business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you could learn how to make that pain go away, right. It kind of illuminates a different aspect of your career that can kind of fill you with that confidence that we're talking about. Hmm. And so that's kind of what it is. And so, and, and the reality is, is that the psychology is not, it's not kind of archaic. It's not complicated. Um, it's the example I give is that it's, if you, if somebody can call you on the phone and ask you and say, Hey, can you give me directions to like the local grocery store? 
if you feel like you have the ability to kind of visualize and solve that problem, right? If you can solve the problem of helping somebody get to the grocery store and give them directions to get there, you have all the qualifications you need to be able to do the psychology needed involved with this. Because essentially that's what you're doing. Yeah, You're helping somebody navigate a landscape. Hmm. And so um, that's kind of the stuff I lay out there. So um, so that's kind so of what the... 2013 <laughs> was, was mm-hmm. a time when people were not making courses. In 2020, mm-hmm. everybody's making courses, right? Mm-hmm. 2021, mm-hmm. it's just like, that's that's all I can hear about. It's like, oh, I have a course. And it's like, <laughs> what, what qualifies you to have a course? And right. I, I, I think it's really fascinating. What gave you the insight back in 2013 to to make a course for uh, for something like this? And have you been able to monetize it? Talk to me about some of mm-hmm. uh, some of the money over the last eight years with this course. Mm-hmm. And did you make more courses? And what's the platform? Talk to me about some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the idea started because I was working at a company that was making courses. courses. Yeah, and that's what I was doing. Was you know they would teach yeah. things live in person, and they were trying to learn how to the e-learning is the future. And you know they're kind of yeah. like we got to figure this out. And I thought this is yeah, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, you know. And so it was sort of the early days of um, the same kind of goal of trying to learn how to do this stuff and apply it in the creative industry. Um, and as I started learning, I thought I could I could start teaching this kind of stuff right now. And so that's how I got started. Um, <clears throat> there was a platform called Udemy, which everybody's probably seen the ads for. Um, And uh, that's what I launched it on. And it was a good start. Um, In the early days, the first, you know, the first month I launched, I was making $2,000 a month. Wow. Um, Just, and it was just sitting there. Um, And it was, and it did well. Over time, Udemy really kind of tightened up a lot of the restrictions on marketing and they pulled a lot more control back on stuff. And, um, and I kind of just sort of let the course continue. and so that tapered off, but for years it, it had, you know, c- consistently for years, it would be making several hundred dollars a month mm. with me doing literally nothing, um, but keeping the same content up. Uh, the, how much money that video has made in the last eight years total, Do you, or like a, a rough guess? Yeah, that course um, on Udemy, I moved it off that platform about a year ago and started on my own platform. Um so over the course of a few years, I think it probably made something like sixty thousand dollars. Incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, a one time, I mean, a one time deal. You know, how much, how much time did you spend into that, into making that video? Yeah, uh, up front at the very beginning of the, you know, the first course, um, I think I probably did, I finished all the content and had the whole thing produced in about a month. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, like here and there, and, and doing it after hours, and and spending a lot of time on it, and. Um, that kind of thing. There was a lot. I mean, I mean, it was a fine course, but it, I remember thinking, like, this should not, this <laughs> this should not be that successful. Or, or, I don't know, but it ended up being very successful, and that was extremely yeah. encouraging. Um, it was like one of the highest rated courses on there. I had four, over four thousand students and four and a half wow. star rating, and and it did really well. And I think it kind of points to well, there's a lot of aspects of creative work that we do um, that we don't often think about or spend a lot of time trying to focus on that can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And it's some of those fundamental sort of best practices on how to think about what exactly is it that we're doing and how do I go from, you know, making a video right to making the right video. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the whole premise of the course. Um, so that idea is, <clears throat> you know, it's making the video right is, 
you know, high production value, using the right cameras, you know, learning how to make the video look good, sound good, you know, be edited well and be snappy and, and easy to consume. All the skills, the technical skills that go into making the video high quality, making the video right. That's important, yeah. but it's only important as long as you know that the video you're making is the right video in the first place, right? <laughs> so it doesn't it's matter how good, yeah. yeah. doesn't matter how good your pancakes are, you know, how much you've researched, you know, what temperature to use, cook your pancakes or whether or not you put butter on first before you put the batter on, right? And like all these like techniques and skills you use to make pancakes, like it does not matter how high quality, how perfectly well-made these pancakes are. If the person wanted a hamburger, exactly you know, it's like i don't like pancakes at all yeah i you know i'm not in the mood for pancakes you know it's like, like beautiful but i hate pancakes <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. and so yeah. we do this all the time i think with you know with our clients uh, sometimes not knowing it it's you know I, I have delivered for you the best made video it's so high quality you know it's like yeah but it doesn't it doesn't accomplish what i need it to accomplish right wow. you know? so That's how do you huge. dive deep into that how do you yeah. how do you make sure make sure that you're making the right video and then make that video right. So what the advice do you have real quickly then for, for making the right art for, for clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It I, doesn't really have to be video related. It could be mm-hmm. graphic design. It could be mm-hmm. just about <clears throat> Yeah. Um, going back to the example of giving someone directions, right? Mm-hmm. Say somebody texts you and they say, can you give me directions to the train station? You know, you might say, sure. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> right. You would first start by saying, where are you now? Interesting. Yeah. Where are you trying to go? Right. Yeah. So I need to understand where you are now because my directions are going to be different, you know, based on whether, you know, I don't know where you are. So yeah, I need to understand where you are now, where you're trying to go. Then I need to have an understanding of the landscape that exists between where you are now and where you're trying to get. Right. I need to understand what the back alleys look like. I need to understand where the parks look like, you know, what shortcuts there are. And then if I have an understanding of the landscape, I can tell you what the best path is to navigate from where you are now to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And then I need to simply execute on that path, right? So <clears throat> a client comes to you and says, I have a problem. That's kind of what you're going to do. So an example of this, somebody texts you and says, I need to get to the train station. You might be inclined to say, where are you now? And, and then give them directions to the train station. One of the tricks that they kind of talk about in the book that I mentioned is this idea called mirroring which is simply a, a method to use to get more information from somebody, right? So they use this in the FBI to do hostage negotiation, right? Because they need information. So it's kind of this cool trick they talk about where it's somebody's talking to you. And if you just simply want to see if there's more information there that they could be willing to give to you, you do what's called mirroring. So I need to get to the train station. You're trying to get to the train station? Yeah. You just take it and flip it and turn it back into a question, right? Yeah. And then they Gosh. say... Yeah, man, I, I do that a lot with my with my clients. Like, <clears throat> and say, hey, so we need to make a commercial. We're we're thinking uh, it'd be really nice if we if we did it at the beach. And we're thinking there's like a couple sitting at a park bench. And I'll say the exact same thing. I'll say, okay, so what if we what if we went to the beach and had a couple sitting on the park bench? And just kind of <laughs> like just just re- you just, just right. all on yeah. the same page, and that uh-huh. uh, things no, no surprises are coming up. So I'll do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they, it's easy for them to take that, pick it up and sort of add more to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the example I use about the train station is, you know, you're trying to get to the train station. And the guy says maybe something like, yeah, I think I left my wallet there. Oh, you, you left your wallet at the train station. Well, 
actually, you know, I think I left in the hotel room, but really what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to pay for, oh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to pay for the lunch I just ordered. Right. And so it's like, oh, two minutes ago, you're trying to get to the train station. Now you just need to pay for lunch. Like, you know, I can help you out, man. I can like help pay for your lunch. Like we can figure this out. Interesting. So now the problem that you're solving is totally changed. Mm-hmm. Right. So how often do, you know, wow. people come to us and say, Hey, I need a video that does this, or I need this kind of video. And we say, I can do that. I can make a whiteboard video for you <laughs> or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And uh, that might be great. You know, that's what they're asking you for, but we haven't truly gotten down to the, the honest goodness. What is the problem that they're facing? Mm-hmm. And this is just sort of a, a weird quirk of human behavior is that um, most people don't come up to you up front and actually say what the true problem is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're further down sort of this, there's a kind of a whole pattern you can go through of how people perceive and process the problems they're solving. And there's, there's stages that people go through. And most of the time people come to us way down at the very bottom of the execution stage. Yeah. And we need to kind of work our ways back up. And so to answer your question about what can people do, right? One way to start um, is to really, really uh, get down to what is the actual problem you're trying to solve here. And so it takes on kind of being a consulting kind of role, right? Yeah. And that's one of the biggest ways you can transform sort of your in, your earning potential is, is moving from being somebody who's sort of just solving an execution problem, right? I need a video to be made technically well. That's at the very bottom of the execution process, right? Yeah. I need somebody who can print a video like a printer, you know, and just makes it exist, right? And if you can move further up sort of the problem solving process and get up more to the state of what is the problem we're solving in the first place, then you're solving the problem of the problem, <laughs> which is more valuable. <laughs> we're getting yeah. kind of abstract, but yeah, little, that's- A little incep- you know. inception going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, Ready? very cool. Yeah. No, that's great, man. I, I, that's incredibly value, valuable for a lot of our listeners and me, actually. I'm, I'm uh, gearing up to do a couple of commercials right now, and I, mm-hmm. and I need to be on those questions. So, mm-hmm. so nice. I feel all energized, and I feel it from you, <laughs> watching our hands move a little bit more, and we're, we're getting <laughs> great. So, nice. um, so you have one course that did 60000 over seven or eight years. Um, did, did you take that information and say, I should be making more? Have you been making more? Talk to me about some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've re- I, I had a, like a DaVinci Resolve course for a while there too. And mm-hmm. um, that did really well, kind of the same ballpark. Um, and then uh, this, these are all like the early days. Like I can color grade. I can use DaVinci Resolve. I'm, you know, I'm competent, but I'm not like the world's best expert in Resolve. Sure. Um, but back then I, I was the only person who was doing a resolve course, you know? And so I had yeah. the highest rated DaVinci resolve course on Udemy. And I was like, I am not the world expert on this, but somehow I have the highest rated DaVinci resolve course on the internet. This doesn't make any sense. And, and these days there are way better experts than me, you know, uh, who are teaching it. And so it was just sort of a timing thing. Um, um, but I did, yeah, I did a DaVinci resolve course, um, and then recently I've moved Make the Right Video off of Udemy about a year ago. Started working through that, redid the whole content. I think it quadrupled in size and there's a lot more content there now and um, moved it onto my own platform that I control. Um, and so I launched that in January um, and I've made about $20,000 in the since January. In four, four months. In four months. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, man. starting to grow and stuff. And yeah, so it's an extra little thing to be doing on the side and um 
Yeah, so continue to do that. Um, and then are I have you, another kind of course thing. Are you making videos for, uh, for clients outside of your, your full-time job? Am I making videos? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Fresh, I still, I have, like as far as like the non-compete thing goes, we I do have sort of that still in place at Fresh. And so I still kind of point that work back to Fresh. Yeah. Um, but those projects, Make the Right Video, uh, is something that I'm still doing on the side. <clears throat> and then I have another kind of, uh, kind of course related sort of project that is similar to some of the things we've been talking about. Um, that idea of helping people solve problems and growing a creative culture and um, that kind of thing, but uh, other courses that are kind of related to creative folks and, and that kind of thing. Very cool. Uh, talk to me about um, uh, some of your financial situations for the future. Are you, uh, are you trying to save money? Or are you investing the money that you're making it fresh and from these courses um, what does that look like? Are you in real estate at all? Are you in cryptocurrency? <laughs> what, uh, what do you got going on mm-hmm. outside, yeah, of, so, outside of video projects? Yep, man. So what a wonderful world we live in for investing these days, man. Yeah. And th- there's some awesome things happening. I don't know if you've been following it, the whole GameStop phenomenon. Well, absolutely. NFTs yeah. and uh-huh. yeah, it's, yeah, all, it's, it's all, all super fascinating. Uh-huh. It's a, it's sort of this technological miracle that we live in a world now where there is so much information available that a quote unquote unsophisticated investor can find this opportunity like GameStop, right? As the example and <laughs> out, you know, out haggle the hagglers or whatever you want to say, you know, yeah, like, you know, out invest like, the hedge go. funds, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and the point I'm trying to make is that um, there, yeah, there's an amazing sort of opportunity right now where there's a lot of uh, information that's available that's just available because people are making it available. So I do, I'm investing. That's probably the largest sort of other outside vehicle. Tesla is like, I, I could talk to you all day about Tesla and like the kind of the future where Tesla's going. Mm-hmm. I invested in Tesla before priest, but kind of probably when they're about $89 per share. Yeah. And so yeah. now they're seven that. something, yeah. you know? Um, wow. And that's all because of information available. You can find online the people explaining like, here's the bull case about, why this is, you know, changing things and who they're disrupting. And you can do your own research and you can kind of make your own story and understand why, you know, maybe, so, you know. Yeah, I remember, I remember hearing a case for shorting Tesla at about $200 a share, right? And it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, because I, I did not invest. I actually hate picking stocks. I'm really bad at picking stocks. Mm-hmm. I, and my, my Robinhood portfolio the last year, I think, is up 70 or 80%. So it's actually doing very well. But, um, it's a bull market. Everybody's doing well. You'd be an idiot not doing well right now. So that's not impressive. What's what's uh, mm. to me? I you know the point is I, I hate picking stocks, so I didn't I didn't do Tesla. Um, but uh, what gave you the insight to to be a bull to stick it out while everybody was saying short 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 at two hundred? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I, it was I think all the people out there who are who were laying out the bull case, um, and that was mm. it was the information. I think is the biggest point. You know. Is, yeah. There is information for people to do their due diligence and kind of come up with their own conclusions. Um, and I think it was it was right around the time um, the Cybertruck was coming out. Okay. And I remember when they launched the Cybertruck because I've been I've been stoked about you know like oh a Tesla pickup truck would be awesome. I heard yeah. they're working on one, and they came out with the Cybertruck, and I was like, what on earth are they doing? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and I remember thinking they've lost it, man. Like, yeah. um, this is kind of like a, a CEO pride project, you know, uh-huh. like he's just like, 
you know, not listening to the customers. They get on that thing. (laughs) So many. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of pre-orders. Yeah. And that was sort of the turning point where I I was like, what on earth are they thinking? And then I found somebody who made a video talking about the strategy behind why the truck was designed that way. And they kind of laid out these five points. I can't remember all their five points, but it was essentially like, you know, if we can get rid of the paint shop and if we can use the strongest material in the world, well, the paint shop makes it extremely cheap, you know, and if we use like this exoskeleton thing with this super strong material we've been developing, well, we can't have any curves, but it'll be cheaper to produce and extremely durable. Like it's going to be bulletproof. That sounds awesome for a truck. And, you know, they kind of went, this will be the safest truck in the world and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's, and because of these things, it'll drive the cost down and you'll be able to have a, you know, starting price that's $39,000 at, you know, at, at parity and under different kinds of, you know, nice trucks you can get. And, yeah. and so it was like, oh, this wasn't just, I want a cyber truck, so let's make something stupid. You know, it was like, hey, here are these, you know, these functional factors that we want in a vehicle. And if we start there, what kind of solution can we come up with that would exist inside those constraints? Yeah. And it ended up being the Cybertruck. Um. <laughs> I, I was here for it, man. I, I remember mm-hmm. and thought, I need this. I need this in my life. And I asked my wife if I could get a pre-order in. And she said, absolutely not. <laughs> you you need a Tesla. You go buy a Model 3 or a Model right. S. But under no circumstance <laughs> will you be buying the Cybertruck. And so here we are. Maybe one day. Huh? Uh, no, you just, it's $100. You know, you can, that's a lot of time, a lot of time to winter over. <laughs> to think about it. Yeah, exactly. So no, cool. It's so grown, it's grown on me now, though. There's a phenomenon about that, that, you know, like, yeah. you know, you, a lot of times just new designs, we just are kind of, we resist or they just feel weird and gross to us. But then after a certain amount of exposure, it just, it's just the unfamiliarity. And now I look at it from certain angles. I'm like, yeah, this car looks sweet. I'm like, it looks awesome. Oh, the Cybertruck. Yeah. <laughs> for me it was the features like i just kept seeing all the cool features and i was just going like a built-in air compressor mm-hmm. like come on like that's mm-hmm. just like i, I mean yeah. i come from camera you know it's like there's right. pressures on camera trucks you know it's for all sorts of things uh-huh. and so like, that's amazing that'd be the yeah. greatest feature. yeah i mean there's lots of features and i actually mm-hmm. like mine you could power a trailer you could power an rv with it or, or yeah. a trailer or whatever yeah. so you know you could have a sweet rig that you're charging stuff in the back while you're driving things around love it yeah. Absolutely love it. Or so, powering the whole set. So so there's there's a, a case for Tesla. Uh, what else are you doing um, um, with your money? That's the biggest one. Um, and then, yeah, right now the, the courses and things are kind of just being reinvested either into growing the courses um, <laughs> or just more Tesla. I'm just like a super huge Tesla bull. Just every time, <laughs> you know. You have, do you out. have stock in the S&P 500 or, or like an index fund? Do you do any index funds or is it just all Tesla? Uh, it's all EV stuff right now. Okay. I mean, I've, I've dipped, I have a couple of things here and there and other, in other places, but, um, largely it's just sort of, I've, there's, I mean, listen, you can do your own research, you can do your due diligence, you know, but there are, there are several different trends, trending factors in battery tech and solar power, you know, and in easing out, um, fossil fuels that are all sort of reaching this exponential curve transition curve at the same time. Yeah. And it's just kind of crazy. It's just inevitable that all these things are going to collide at the same time and the whole world's just going to just change. And so, you know, if you look at it, the companies out there, they're doing it. It's like, oh, okay, there are some of these companies out there, but like Tesla is just miles and miles and miles ahead um, in so many different ways. And so it's cool. It's, it's amazing. I, I feel like it's amazing looking at just the things that they're doing to innovate in manufacturing, the things that they're doing to, you know, and how they're you know producing the cars and their and their tech and I mean the 
the self-driving thing is its own case. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if, if a car company is going to win the self-driving battle, it's going to be the car company with the most data. And I think the last time I heard it was something like um, Google's platform had something like 14 million miles of traveled, you know, recorded data or whatever. And Tesla's was like 40 billion miles oh or something like that. You know, it's just like, I mean, just light years away, you yeah. know? And so it kind of, it turns ends up being that same sort of story over and over and over again, where it's like, you know, how to iterate faster and, and create their cars faster. And, um, and the improvements that they're making and the costs that are being driven down. And it's just like, and it's just that story like 12 times in a row over and over and over and over <laughs> again in wow. all those other industries. And so it's Gosh, like, no, they should, yeah. should be a, uh, uh, sponsor after this episode. <laughs> this is, this is the case for Tesla. I'm all, I'm all yeah. jazzed now about Tesla. <laughs> I would not buy, buy Tesla stock right now, personally. Uh, I think it's, I'm buying it right amazing. now. <laughs> amazing. I just, the e ratio, the, the yeah. price expense ratio is just mm-hmm. so astronomically out of this world. It's yeah, it's crazy. It's a little, it is a little crazy, but, um, there's still a case for it. It's yeah. yeah it's going to continue to grow. There's, do you, there's uh, do you own your house? Um, the, I don't own it outright. No, of course not. Yeah, we but, bought a house. Yeah. It's going to yeah. take us a little time to own it outright, but yeah, we own our house. How long have you uh, owned your house? Well, we've only been here about a year. Um, so oh, wow. yeah, most of the time out in the Seattle area, um, yeah, we were renting for, you know, that first kind of 10 years or so. Yeah. And then we finally, yeah, finally got around to being able to buy our house because of Tesla. <laughs> are you, are you so, serious? Yeah. You're really still in a yeah, it was, yeah. Tesla made it and Tesla made it possible. So yeah. <laughs> no, they have to be a sponsor. <laughs> what about Dogecoin? Yeah. You buy any of that? <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't bought a Dogecoin. It's fun I, to watch. I, just for fun, it, I put like a thousand yeah. bucks and tripled it and pulled out. And I was like, <laughs> great, great, great. I'll take that two thousand yeah. dollar profit. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I thought it was crazy, and I was crazy. It was such a stupid thing, but it was just funny, yeah. fun. No. You know, I just had a good time. It was right before Elon Musk did the whole thing. And yeah, so it was go. perfect timing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the just, meme stock. Dumb, dumb luck. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. So cool. No, it, cool, that's man. fun. I've been into that kind of thing, but. um yeah, it's it's all about. I think the story investing. It's um, I get his name picked mixed up with the director. Last name is Lynch. I can't. It's not Peter Lynch. It's somebody else. Uh, um, but he has a he has a concept about investing, which is called story investing, hmm. and it has nothing to do with the stock price. It has nothing to do with like, you know, technical analysis or anything like that. It's here are certain check boxes you can look into. Of he gives the metaphor of like you're watching a baseball game, you know. You want to watch a company who are in their second inning, you know? So a lot of times you want to see them play out the first inning, see where they're to, see what they're capable of, and then see them in their second inning and then invest. And so, you know, the example with Tesla was, you know, they were, they were in their first inning trying to figure out, can we exist? Can we get the Model 3 made? You know, we're going to go bankrupt and, you know, um, but they've been able to kind of prove their ability to get through those. Yeah. And now they're building, you know, another a factory in Texas. They're going to build a, they got a factory in Germany and, you know, all these things going on. It's like, they're not in their first inning anymore. You know, they're yeah. not weeks away from going bankrupt. You know, they have billions and billions of dollars in the bank. They could build several more factories. You know, they built that factory in China in record time. And now they've got two more going, you know, next year, they're kind of saying that they could by revenue have the model Y be the, uh, the most, the, the most successful car, I guess the most sold car by revenue of produced 
next year. So Incredible. they, yeah. They, so they're kind of like, I mean, yeah, I don't know, you're, <laughs> you're right. I'm kind of like gushing Tesla here, but yeah. Um, yeah. There's some good stuff going on with Tesla. Well, great. And it's I, amazing that we just have the information to, to learn this stuff. Right. Yeah. You and I, right. Just like, mm-hmm. no, right. We're not on, we're not on <clears throat> stock exchange right now. I'm doing mm-hmm. like throwing our hands up. Like we've seen those old ladies movies. Like that's just, just not our reality anymore. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of incredible that with our fingertips, we can, mm-hmm. we can take. Which is, it's actually funny. That was, I forgot about this, but that's actually in my, in part of my career before I went to school, I, had, I got an internship as a, a video guy at Lehman brothers. Oh, wow. So this is the investment bank that went out of business during the recession, the one that kind yeah. of kicked off the recession. Yeah. And so I was doing video stuff at, in Lehman Brothers, and I was going down to like the floors where they were doing this stuff, <laughs> you know, and everything. And I'd go up to the executive floors and hear them talking about hedge funds and things like that. And so, yeah, there was a time where it's like, you want to do these big moves, you have to be in these companies and have access to this information. And now those guys are out of business and now it's like GameStop. It's like threatening everybody, right? You know, and so it's just like total inversion. Absolutely. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So what other advice? I I think uh, this has been really wonderful for me. I learned a lot and I I really appreciate you taking the time again, especially this evening, kind of late and last notice. Uh, Do you have any other advice for for creatives kind of starting out in in the industry and and on just basically anything? If you had one piece of advice to say, let's say you have a, a... a cousin that uh, is going to be a freelancer now and he's just going to do it. So what advice do you have for him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, in, in any career, um, obviously the most important thing that's going to continue to, um, it's, it's sort of the power of commitment to self-improvement or some people call it the growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can improve you know, and there are things that you can do in any situation in which you can get better at that thing. Um, and so I think that takes, it takes having some self-awareness to be able to kind of look at yourself and say, you know, I'm feeling pain in this area. Why? (laughs) And what is it that I can grow in that would make me stronger at that thing? And then making a plan to get better at that thing. Um, I got to work for Jared Spataro from Microsoft for a project. Um, he's corporate vice president of Microsoft, kind of in charge of teams and um, all the kind of the windows products and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he would talk about a lot that I, I, I think is great is his sort of acronym. He calls it TIC, um, which stands for time, intensity, consistency. And so it's just anytime you find out what that next thing is that I need to improve on, schedule the time to work on it. Literally just find time on your, like, you know, imagine going to the gym, you know, we want to see results in the gym. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for 40 minutes, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at these times. When those times roll around, I'm going to hit it with the right amount of intensity, right? I'm going to figure out what that intensity level needs to be. And I'm just going to be consistent at hitting the time with the proper intensity. And so if you can be self-aware to recognize where are the places that I'm weak, what are the places that are, are painful to me that I'm struggling in, I'm not good at negotiating, set up the time to learn about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Set up time on your calendar. That's like for 30 minutes, twice a week, I'm going to learn about negotiation. Yeah. And I'm going to hit it with this level of intensity and this consistency until I've, I think I understand how it works. And then I need to practice, <laughs> set up the time to do cold calls, to find people Right. 
and practice it, right? Mm. So it's just sort of like figuring out what are the things, what, where are, that's really, honestly, that's just, that's the secret to kind of anything. So if you want to be successful with anything, have the self-awareness to be honest with yourself and recognize where's this pain coming from? What's giving me this difficulty? How am I part of this problem because of my character weaknesses? (laughs) And how can I grow to be a little bit stronger and better in that area? And then make a plan to follow it through until you grow, right? Until you get a little better at it. And then that part will be a little less painful, Yeah. right? And uh, step by step, you can improve. I hope we haven't thoroughly confused your cousin, Logan, <laughs> that answer. But that, that's, I think that's wonderful. Uh, and, I, and thank you again for being here. I'm going to let you go to bed. I'm going to edit this thing and, and throw it up online. So Hey, awesome. Uh, thank you so much, man. We'll sign off with that. Great to chat. Thanks, Lars. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. Well, I tell you, yeah, he's pretty fantastic. If you want to uh, learn more about Logan or his courses, go to uh, Elkadeo. That's E-L-K-A-D-E-O.com. And uh, check out the video on the uh, upper right-hand corner, Make the Right Video. And you can learn more about him. So we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.